Welcome. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and I think it's time we blow this scene. Get everybody in this stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, let's podcast. Nice. Yeah. I don't get it. Oh, <laughs> not surprised. This week, we're talking about Cowboy Bebop, the uh, anime from the early aughts. Uh, what do we no, call them? 90s. Two, the early 2000s? Late 90s. 90s? Late, 90s. Late 90s. Yeah. yeah. And um, the remake or reboot. The live action version. Live action version, yes. Cowboy uh-huh. Bebop and Rocksteady. That, that didn't happen. <laughs> that, that is not a thing that happened, but still. But yeah, so we're looking for some anime goodness today. That's what we got going on. All right, if you like anime goodness, you'll probably find some at Geek Life Radio, where you'll find us at 12 noon on Saturdays. You'll also find the Anime Trap House, HTML All the Things, the Day One Patch Podcast, and of course, Geek Life Radio's own Rad Dad Radio Hour, the Smorgasbord. Boom, shake, shake, shake the room. Boom, shake, shake, shake the room. In what no. situation would that ever be right? Uh, now? Tick, like, tick, 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 boom. This situation? No, it's not it. No? That's not it either. Well, if you'd like to get in touch with us and give us a show idea you'd like to hear, you can give us a call at 7-8-NOW-RAP and call our caller. You can get on a conversation on our Discord by clicking the Join Us link in the show notes, and uh, you can get in touch with us on Facebook and all the regular places also. If you join us on Discord, you will never be alone again. No. In a good way. In a good way. Like, if you want to talk to somebody, you will always have somebody to talk to. And this week, we've been talking about, well, beer. And we always stouts. talk about alcohol. Yeah, we always talk about alcohol. Food. Um, food. Your, your, your milk rum punch thing that we've been yeah. talking about. Uh, yeah, I made, a, I made a clarified milk punch, which does not look very good at the beginning, but looks amazing <laughs> at the end. No. But uh, yeah, recipes, all sorts of stuff. Get in there. We'd like to have you as a guest. And then we also have a uh, channel just for show ideas. Yep. So we can talk about that, too. Do we have any voicemails, Josh? Sure hope not. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure we don't. On that note, it is about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. It's the best one you've been in a while. Yeah. And sports. I kind of like that. Say it slower. Oh, and sports. No, don't say it slower. That was like a sexy Elmo. I don't (laughs) like that. (laughs) Really, brain? I don't. I don't like how much I liked that. Oh, Patrick! <laughs> I want to touch your hiney. <laughs> Mister Hooper says it's okay. How did we get here? I drove. This is <laughs> that time we were doing Elmo's things, Nine Inch Nails in college. Remember that? Yeah. All right. So this week, oh. <laughs> we're going with <laughs> April third, nineteen ninety-eight, the release of the first Cowboy Bebop. Word. All right. Uh, the number one song in the land was All My Life by Casey and JoJo. No recollection of that song whatsoever. I'd yeah. like to believe that I've never heard the song and I would not like to hear it so you guys could correct me. You are you are 100% both wrong. You know this song. Uh, I, you, I know this song and I don't care for 90s R&B and I know this song. Sing I it. like this song. Sing it. No, we're all good. <laughs> yeah, you, it's not something you want to relive. <laughs> yeah, I am not drunk in at karaoke. I don't sing. If you were at a wedding at any point between 1998 and yesterday, you may have heard this song. Yeah. 
Yeah. I choose not to believe you. I, I yeah. would be very shocked if you had not heard this song before. Yeah. Well, we'll check we're, on the break. I was going to say, when we go to break, hop on to the YouTubes or Spotify or whatever, and you'll say, oh, yeah, I know that song. All right, moving on. Yep. Rob Palettis, American-German model, dancer, and defrocked Grammy Award winner from Millie Vanilli, died of an accidental prescription drug and alcohol overdose at 42 years old. Absorbed. On April 5th of this week. That's yes. not in there. Oh, I was like, I don't see that there. Is that like the acronym of the week? Like it's hidden and I have to like roll, <laughs> scroll over no, it? No, it's just not in there. Oh, okay. Good. It, you know, I, I had that, that album. I liked that record. And even after I found out that it was all, you know, a big ruse, I still, still a pretty fun record, you know. Well, it does. I mean, just because it, you know it was a fake people singing, it doesn't make the song bad, right? I mean, I people mean, really I never... sing the song. It's not like it was sung by robots. Yeah, that yeah. song existed. Two people out there really knew knew how to sing, just not the people that we watched. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of those like I never thought long enough about Millie Vanilli to have an opinion, positive or negative, of them at all. Yeah, like I, I probably would have forgotten they existed if it wasn't for the lip syncing scandal. Hmm. That's probably yeah. They would be in the in the bins of like uh, Dino. Remember him? Oh yeah. Or Gerardo, or Snow, yeah. or the Think Wonders. Just the law, the law of averages. There has to be a small, small, small percentage of people out there going, "God damn, the Millie Vanilli tattoo." Yeah, <laughs> you're a hundred percent right. Yeah, hundred percent right. Choices were made anyway. And finally, Tammy Wynette, born Virginia Wynette Pugh, was an American country music singer, songwriter, and musician. Oh, shit. I, why am I laughing? Who died because on April 6th. Uh, for, for some reason, the last name Pugh, for just tonight, and I know people with the last name Pugh, made me Pew. laugh. So I apologize, Tammy Wynette, for you Don't you mean Virginia Pugh? She was one of country music's best known hey, artists. If she married another guy named Pugh, her last name would be Pew Pew. <laughs> Uh, she was one of country music's best-known artists during the 1960s and 70s. Called the First Lady of Country Music, her best-known song is, also the acronym of the week, S-B-Y-M. Pretty sure that stands for Suck Balls, Young Man! <laughs> <laughs> wow, he finally got one right! Holy yeah. cow! I only, think after... only Tammy, Tammy Wynette can get the soulful <laughs> Suck Balls, Young Man! <laughs> Yeah, they no, played some no, Buck that... Owens and then that song. <laughs> that is incorrect. That is Stand By Your Man. You got one word right. Suck balls! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, many of her hits dealt with themes of loneliness, <laughs> divorce, and the difficulties of life and relationships. She had Suck 20 balls balls man. <laughs> on the Billboard Country Chart. Let them hang down upon you. <laughs> How did she die anyway? Choked on a uh, ball. Uh... <laughs> I'm looking it up. Oh, Jesus. All right, let us know and I'll move on to movies. The number one movie in the land was Lost in Space, knocking off Titanic after its 15 week run. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of upsetting. Well, I mean, 15 weeks later, people are like, eh, want to see Titanic again? Nah. Wow. So after years of medical problems, which resulted in numerous hospitalizations, roughly 26 major operations, and an addiction to pain meds, Wynette died on April 6, 1998, at the age of 55 while sleeping on her couch in Nashville. Uh, her doctor said she died of a blood clot in her lung. Wow. Oof. That is rough, and we're making fun of her. But it's still, <sighs> it was still funny what was said, so stand by your man. 
Movies released this week included Artemisia, Barney's Great Adventure, The Butcher Boy, Heaven's Burning, Mercury Rising, and The Spanish Prisoner. I've seen one of those, I think. I think I've, I've seen, seen zero. I've seen Mercury Rising and Spanish Prisoner. I know of Barney's Great Adventure and The Butcher Boy, but I've not seen... Is Mercury any. Rising with Bruce Willis? Yes. Okay, then I may have seen that. That's the one where uh, Jack Black plays an arms dealer and he shoots Jack Black with a okay. gun because he's a bad guy. Bruce Willis is. Definitely have not seen that movie then because okay. that would stand out to me. Yes. Back before Jack Black was Jack Black, he was, you know, trying to be a serious actor. He had, might have had bleach blonde hair in that if I remember right. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. And Spanish Prisoner was Campbell Scott, I believe. Okay. Serious movie. All right. So TV. Top shows in the land were ER, Friends, Frasier, and Jesse. Oh, yeah. The hell was Jesse? Christina Applegate show. Yeah, it was actually pretty good. Yeah, it was. Oh, okay. I watched it. Better than it should have been. All right. And She's the, very other, funny. She is. Thank you. Oh, I kind of remember that now. And and the other three are just like standard 90s. Right. Uh, also, the long-running British television series Teletubbies began its U.S. De- television debut on PBS Kids on April 6th. I love you, Patrick. Ugh, hate that show. I was waiting for more rant from Patrick on that one. No, after like four hours, I can't take it anymore. I have to turn it off. <laughs> uh, Eugene Barton Evans was an American actor who appeared on television and feature films between 1947 and 1989. Uh-oh. Uh, Evans <laughs> was on My Friend Flicka, Wichita Town, Johnny Ringo, Riverboat, Rawhide, Death <laughs> Valley Days, Gunsmoke, and M.A.S.H., Evans died at age 75 of heart failure on April 1st. On April 2nd, he got up and went, gotcha! And on April 3rd, he was dead again. We need to see some, I want to see a resurgence in Westerns, like Death Valley Days and Gunsmoke. That's good stuff. Have you really watched those? Because it's know, not really not, that good. In a while, not in a real long while. I mean, I'd like to see them done well, yeah, but no, Gunsmoke yeah. was not really that good. Can we see a gritty reboot of my friend Flicka? That's what I want. <laughs> what a gritty reboot. Like where Flicka solves crimes as like an alcoholic and like solves crimes. And it's, I know it's about a horse, but that's what makes it good. No, it's supposed to a chain smoking chimpanzee. Isn't it about a horse? No, but Isn't I'm saying that... that's in the reboot. Then, you know, my friend Flicka, Flicka will be a, It'll be a noir mystery detective thing, and he's a chain-smoking chimp. But oh. isn't that, aren't they, they've really kind of started doing that already with Hit Monkey. Hit Monkey. I'm not joking. That's literally a show that's on Hulu right now. It's a Marvel. All right. Thing. Well, I'll see you guys later. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Hit Monkey! <laughs> Hit Monkey likes Fritos. Hit Monkey likes Tab and Mountain Dew. <laughs> hey, those two guys got it. I Is got that it. a real thing? That's a real song. Look, well, yeah, except it's Code Monkey. Yeah, it's Code Monkey. Which is yeah. like, yeah, that's that's that is a thing I recognize. Jonathan Colton, Patrick, Hit Monkey, a high-profile possession injury. <laughs> he looked it up. <laughs> yeah, it's a Marvel. We're never show. getting out of this twee because of Hit Monkey. Yeah, way to go! I was moving things along nicely, and then you derailed me with Hit Monkey. Moving on to sports. The Arizona Diamondbacks recorded their first win in team history with a 3-2 victory over the San Francisco Giants in Phoenix, Arizona, ending the second-worst start ever, that being 0-5, by an expansion team. Wow. wow. Very, very slow week in sports. That was it. Seems like it, huh? Yeah, slow week overall. Play us off, keyboard, Joel. Na, 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 na. So 1998, new anime hits the scene, Cowboy Bebop. Uh, this was... Obviously, a Japanese 
they have a categorized a science fiction neo-noir anime, which is a lot of words, but I think that sums it up. It was created and animated originally by Sunrise, directed by Shinichiro Watanabe, uh, who, Josh, before this did Macross Plus, mm-hmm. after this did Samurai Champloo, and uh, Vision of Escaflown, Ergo Proxy, Lupin the Third uh, movie, and Bla- most recently, uh, he was creative producer on Blade Runner Black Lotus. Right. I mean, it, as a series creator, uh, Samurai Champloo is sort of the spiritual sequel in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he did a lot of work in the industry. But those are his two, like, as a series creator that he's best known for. A spiritual yeah. sequel to <clears throat> Bebop. Bebop. Huh. Samurai, yeah. Have you not seen Samurai Champloo? No, Josh has recommended it before, but I've not, I've not gotten seen it yet. So yeah, yeah if it's you, if... the closest thing you're going to get to more Bebop, even though they're only alike in the fact that they're like extremely stylish with decent music. Mm-hmm. It's still a great anime, still a great show to watch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's set in a alternate samurai time instead of like the far future. Yeah, it's it's worth watching though. Yeah. Uh, screenwriter Kiko Nobumoto, who also did, uh, again, Samurai Champloo, Space Dandy, and uh, Tokyo Godfathers. There's another one that did that. Uh, the character designer, Toshihiro Kam- Kawamoto. Uh, he, where I just had it? There he is. Now, this guy, 1986, Mobile Suit Gundam ZZ. He was the key animator for that. All the way up into, he did Full Metal Alchemist, he did Witch Hunter Robin, Wolf's Reign, uh, up until 2015, uh, 2014, did Space Dandy and Blood Blockade Battlefront. I know that one, but I've heard of it anyway. Yeah, it's another uh, Space Dandy? No, Blood Blockade Battlefront, which I think looks looks like something I would dig. Yeah. Mechanical designer, I put this in just because of the ships. Kimitoshi Yamane, who was Bubblegum Crisis, one of my old school favorites. Uh, Bubblegum Crash, Gachaman, Mobile Fighter G Gundam. Oh, love Gachaman. Oh, Gachaman's fantastic. Escaflown, Galaxy Angel, Space Battleship Yamoto 2199, the 2013 version, which I think was something we watched in a previous show. And composer Yoko Kano, who we have to talk about. For uh, sure. Yoko he, Kano and seatbelts are inherent to uh, why this was a hit. Mm-hmm. That is the number one thing. The, the My friend... Uh, Eric, who I worked with at Wizards, introduced me to this. And after the first episode, that is a, he said the first thing that everybody says is the music in this is amazing. Uh, so she has done stuff going all the way back to 1985. She was a composer on Romance of the Three Kingdoms, did stuff for Nobunaga's Ambition, uh, Uncharted Waters, and Ragnarok Online 2. So she's all over the place with that. But the the band, the seatbelts that she created specifically for this show was an immense thing. So in fact, they said <clears throat> they formed the blues jazz band, the seatbelts perform the series music. And according to Kano, the music was one of the first aspects of the series to begin production before most of the characters, story or animation had been finalized. So, and she also commented, there were times where she had like sections of music that they inserted in weird places that she wasn't expecting it to be. And she was like, Oh, you know, I really thought it would be better over there, but overall, <laughs> Her and the seatbelts are just an amazing band, and they sell albums all over the place of just the uh, original soundtrack. Makes Looks sense. Like they... I mean, oh, oh good. 
I was just going to say, most of her composition work was for Koei Tecmo in these uh, really dry strategy, grand strategy games, which I love. Some of the titles uh, Mike mentioned. And you bring uh, her in when most of what had been done up to this point was Bandai wanted an anime that could sell toy spaceships. And then they got this music and they got like, okay, we need to put spaceships in it. And what came out was not exactly what Bandai wanted to sell spaceships to kids, but it was something so special that they decided to distribute it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like she did the soundtrack to the, the reboot or the remake, the live action as well. Yes. Because they use the same music. Well, also, there were some new compositions from Seatbelts and Yoko Kano for the uh, reboot as well. Hmm. And in fact, the version of the opening theme, aside from the vocal track, which was a direct uh, like uh, sample, uh, that was freshly re-recorded. Uh, you nice. can see it being played live like a couple of years ago. Very cool. And talking about the design, I, I as much as I like the Swordfish too, I think the Red Tail is a just a badass ship. Yeah, the, talking about designs. Yeah, the and the ship designs on this were very lived in. Yeah, I, I maintain you don't get Firefly without Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So voice cast. I, I've got just the dubbing voice cast on this uh, for two reasons. One, because I don't want to say that many names. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm sorry. I don't want to trip over that many names. And I'm assuming the majority of us don't speak Japanese, except for our Japanese listeners. We appreciate you. Yeah, so, I've listened to it in both ways. And this is one of the rare cases where the dub is actually pretty decent. It's still not quite as good as the original voices, but uh, this is a solid cast. Mm-hmm. Well, the dub will come up again in the, the now. So. Yeah, for sure. So Steve Blum does the voice of Spike Spiegel. Uh, he also does the voice of Starscream from Transformers Prime and Zeb Orelos from Star Wars Rebels. Uh, most recently, let's see, he's done voices in Demon Slayer, in No More Heroes 3, the video game, uh, Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf, in the animation. He was he did the voice of Leshy in that, so he's still active. Uh, we have Bo Billingsley, who does the voice of Jet Black. Uh, something, he, Joel, it's, you remember Halloween H2O? Yeah. He was Fitz. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's otherwise, for voice credits, probably best known as the uh, voice of Barrett for Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Uh, most recently, he uh, does the voice of Eric in the show Super Crooks, which is currently on Netflix. Mm, I haven't gotten to that yet, but I'm uh, intrigued. Yeah. yeah I was it's on my list. Interesting. Uh, we also have Wendy Lee, who does the voice of Faye Valentine. Wendy Lee did the voice of Kay in Akira, uh, Kagero in Ninja Scroll, which is another amazing, and Charlotte in Vampire Hunter D, which is another amazing anime. I, I know that one. Yeah, so she's got a great uh, resume on that one. Skip Stelrecht did the voice of Vicious uh, for the six episodes, and he has been uh, doing things like Red Dead Redemption Part 2 back in 2018 and Boruto Next Generation. But uh, mostly crew work. A lot of the stuff that he's listed on that he you would like he was extra crew in Detective Pikachu and stuff like that. So. You uh, skipped the main cast member. Yeah, okay. I did. I was gonna I was gonna jump back. I'm oh, gonna that. circle back to Radical Ed. Yeah, I was gonna jump back to that one. Uh, Melissa Fawn is Edward Wong or Radical Edward, uh, known for this. Uh, Edward Wong, how Pepelu Tvrusky the Fourth. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Again, <laughs> stumbling over names. <laughs> Uh, it done voices for Invader Zim, Digimon, and of course, 
Otoma gan no hamatsu flag shika na akayu rajon ne tensei shitsumatsa. Which, of course, you know that means I avoided my doom flag, so I got carried away at the cultural festival. I don't know if that was right, but that was impressive if it was. <laughs> There's a little bit of a French tint to that, but yeah, overall, yeah, impressive. A little bit, yeah. Uh, she also does the voice of Dusu on Miraculous, the tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir, which is stupid, part popular now. If you're a fan of Invader Zim, she's not just like an additional voice. She's the voice of Gaz. Mm-hmm. So I, I would argue that she's almost more famous as Gaz than she was as uh, Radical Ed, especially considering that uh, Ed is a divisive character. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could see that for sure. All right. And then at the end, we've got Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, who did the voice of Julia. Some of the things she's done. She was a part of uh, Vampire Hunter D. She's also in Resident Evil Degeneration, Ghost in the Shell 2, and currently... It's uh, Jurassic World Camp Crustaceous. Hmm. Uh, We're digging that show. Haven't started season four yet, but uh, me and the kids both uh, all like that show. It's way better than it should be. Just saying. So uh, we got some trivia um, we could jump into, I suppose. Yeah, go for it. All right, so the fight on the bridge between Spike and Abdul Hakim in Episode 2, Stray Dog Strut, is a homage to the fight scene in Game of Death between Bruce Lee and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. All of Spike's fights feature the use of Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do style of fighting. Yes, that is one thing I'm glad came up in the trivia. That uh, It's rare that an anime character has an uh, identifiable fighting style. But uh, a lot of ways, they didn't quite mocap it, but they animated him based on Bruce's own movements in the uh, fighting style that he created. Which is interesting because I, I know that uh, uh, for the for the now, there was some stuff that I was going to bring up about that. And I didn't realize that it was the same thing that was happening back in the original series as well. So that's cool. I mean, that's that's nice. That that's that kind of attention to detail. Yeah, exactly. It's very cool. Uh, originally, Ed's character was based on a description of the series' music director, a little weird, cat-like, but a genius at creating music, and was going to be a dark-skinned boy. Edward was turned into a girl to even the gender ratio on the bebop, which was, with Ed as a boy, three guys and one girl. And they even play that, like, in the anime, it is not immediately obvious that Ed is a girl. And there's a lot of references to to that throughout the series, uh, as far as... If it's if he's a boy or a girl, which it you know that always comes back to her being a girl, but still, it's confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to Lupin Three being a heavy influence, the main characters from both series resemble one another in appearance and personality. Spike, Lupin, both wear ties, are lanky and laid back. Jet, Jigen are both uh, the partners, both have beards, and are the more pragmatic pragmatic members of the group. Uh, Faye, Fujiko take advantage of their appearance to get what they want and have betrayed their groups. Vicious, with his swordsman abilities, represents Goman. That's interesting. Look, I, I see it now that they call it out. I don't know if that's more coincidental than uh, intentional, but I get it. Well, you think with as many like animes and things as there are out there, you know, because they make animes like we make movies here, just regular, uh, you're going to have some similarities, I'm sure, at some point. Um, mm-hmm. And Lupin the Third is pretty huge now. Uh, mean, I'd say popularity-wise, or the, or the character is huge. I'm genuinely asking. Uh, popularity-wise, well, it's it's one of those like foundational 
like I don't know, like in anime, like a cultural touchstone, like is one of the really big titles, like Gogo Thirteen or uh, Akira or yeah, Cowboy Bebop, and obviously Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, Lupin the Third is is a, when you think of original like old school anime that's continued throughout the decades. That's one of those that's still going today, and it's been around since what the sixties, maybe. I don't know. It's it's been around a real long time. Is is it always Lupin the Third, or is that? I believe so. Yes. I'm just curious when it started. Yeah. Uh, so I'm taking a quick peek here. 1967. Wow. So yeah, he's he's. It's kind of a cornerstone, like Josh said. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Jet Black was named after the drummer with the British punk band The Stranglers. Huh. I mean, I guess with the music uh, being such a uh, important part of this show, it makes sense. Um, and finally, let's see if I'm going to butcher this here. Although Shinshiro Watanabe claims it was a coincidence, Spike Spiegel may be named after music video director turned filmmaker Spike Jones, whose surname is Spiegel. Yeah, that uh, sounds like even more of a coincidence. Hmm. Well, because, I mean, Spike Jones, although he had a lot of popularity around this time, yeah, I can't see that being... Yeah, I can't I see him having been big in Japan. Right. I feel like that's a bit of a stretch. Because mm-hmm. uh, he was doing, like, magazines, you know, and stuff like that, like skateboard stuff, skate punk stuff back in 93 or so, and then started doing movies and, and videos, like 95, 96, and then... Uh, you know, Malkovich came along and it was all over. So, and that wasn't until 99. So yeah, I really, I think that's just a coincidence. So, all right, that is the trivia. All right. Well, uh, I think we can start uh, digging in a little bit lightly. Um, so we've got a uh, cowboy uh, space Western uh, with bounty hunters on the bebop uh, chasing down their bounties. Uh, heavily influenced by all sorts of pop culture. Like they're pulling in uh, stuff from 70s black exploitation flicks. Mm-hmm. They're pulling in stuff from classic Westerns. They're pulling in stuff from cop shows. Uh, and they're drawing heavy musical influences, especially from blues and jazz scenes uh, to create this sort of like within a couple of episodes, I think most people get an idea for like the visual and overall style of what the show's going for even if every episode doesn't necessarily hit for them like it's remarkably consistent from beginning to end starting with the core cast of the partners adding Faye first as sort of a wild card and then a member of the crew then Ayn and uh once you've got that reality sort of established about midway through the series you get the force of nature chaotic wild card that is Ed um, and it is interesting that that every episode, although there's a consistent tone throughout the series, each episode has a different feel or has a different take or a different lead kind of story. So it feels like a different, not a different show necessarily, but it has a different, each episode feels different from the next, but still the same. Um, and I wrote down just a couple of quick thoughts as I was watching the first episode. Uh, James Bond, Han Solo, a Western Blade Runner with jazz music. Those are pretty obvious influences, I'd say. I mean, those were the things that jumped out at me first, you know, because mm-hmm. it was just like, it was such a weird combination of things. But for whatever reason, you put it all together and it just makes sense. Yeah. And each episode has its own, basically a song title, uh, which I thought was interesting way of structuring uh, the episodes, whether it's uh, Bounty of the Week, uh, individual character piece, 
or something that involve uh, that advances what I'd call the main story, which for the main series is pretty much the story of uh, Spike's past and then Vicious and Julia. That that arc is mostly just like the first episode, then the last two, and some sprinkled in uh, here and there, like uh, Ballad of Fallen Angels. Um, I, I'm I geek out over the show. It was uh, it is to date the only Blu-ray I've purchased for myself, the complete series. Um, I was introduced to it about a year after it dropped, when the only way to get it was uh, extremely expensive videotapes that had about two to three episodes on each one. Wow. And uh, yeah, I had a buddy who bought the entire uh, set, and we were watching them one tape at a time. uh and yeah i uh have watched the whole series probably four or five times you had to actually adjust the tracking right Mm -hmm. um can i ask real quick just before we get too deep into the rest of this with and get my uh mike and pat's thoughts is this the first time viewing for anybody and i'm gonna raise my hand and say yes what Josh knows this. Uh, yeah, I, I knew he'd never gotten around to it. Uh, I only yeah. knew that when we started talking about doing this show, and I, I'm glad that this was something that got him into it. Uh, I, I know it wasn't the first for Mike. And no, we, we uh, when I worked, like I said, when I worked for Wizards, uh, the guy, one of the guys that worked for me, Eric, would bring in, it was like old school 80s. You know, he would bring in these uh, VHS rips. And I got it. I brought a TV in. We put it up there at the front desk while you know people were buying games and stuff. And we would watch uh, at Cowboy Boob, Cowboy Bebop, uh, Fooly Cooly, um, got a bunch of other like late '90s, early 2000s anime up there. But you know, Bebop to the point where we got the soundtrack and would play the soundtrack during the day, just in the store type of thing. And uh, surprising no one, Patrick, is this the first time you <laughs> watching? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had never seen this before. Not a not a shocker to any of us, but yeah, the uh, opening uh, track, uh, w- the title track, uh, was uh, on my workout mix for a very very long time. Nice, I could see that. I mean, that, that that would make sense to me, and on a on that type of playlist for sure. Well, it's a good ramp you up music too, right? Tank is the name of the the track, the title thong, uh, title thong, the title thong, the title thong. <laughs> thong so. Thong, thong, thong. Before, like, uh, I, I want to flip the script a little bit because we usually let those of us that know the media really well uh, dig deep first. Uh, yeah, Patrick <laughs> doesn't like this because I'm about to throw to him. No, don't. I want to. I, I want to hear your thoughts first. I want to know how many did you did you at least watch a, like three or four episodes? I watched the first two. Yeah, the first two. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I got about... so you didn't even meet half the cast. Okay, I, I guess not. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't meet the corgi. Uh, it, you know, I sure. you didn't meet Aiden. Yeah, or Ed, and you probably would Ed, not yeah. have liked Ed. No, yeah, you probably, definitely yeah. would not have liked Ed. And I don't like corgis, so I don't know how that would have gone. I don't even think he got to meet Faye yet either. In oh, episode uh, two, yeah, yeah, Faye, Faye's are pretty early on, yeah, at least okay. two, but just kind of in and out. She doesn't really, yeah. You know, real quick while I'm thinking of it, uh, you know what this reminded me of a little bit is I, I'm a big Judge Dredd fan, as you guys know. And when I used to read the uh, the original stories, like from the 70s, the comic, it, this had a, a similar feel to that. Like they would go hand in hand in the same kind of world uh, to me. But th- th- that's just a sidebar. Anyway, Patrick, yes, go ahead. I mean, I, 
I, I'm going to be very disappointing to you because that's why I didn't want you to throw to me. It's I don't really have a whole lot of opinion on it. I mean, it was good. It wasn't like bad. I don't, you know, as, as my usual metric, you know, I'm not angry or upset that I watched it or anything, but I'm probably not going to go back to it. I just, I'm just not a fan of anime as a style. It just, it's just, it's just never going to be a thing for me. And I get that a lot of people like it. I just don't. I mean, it, it was, I'm not saying it was, it was, it was unattractive or anything, but it's just not a, I don't know. It's, you don't have to love it. No, yeah. and I, I, I don't feel bad for not loving it, but I don't understand why I don't like it as much as, like, I mean, this is one of Josh's favorite things, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, it's all right. I, I mean, it's not like, you know, Josh and I have some such differing tastes that, I you know, it just doesn't make sense to me why I don't enjoy anime, but I just don't. Yeah, and there's definitely some anime tropes in there. I was like, okay, if he gets this far, this is something I know he's not going to like. Uh, I figured you'd probably appreciate the music and yeah. that it is more modern action movie or sci-fi action movie than some of the others. And it's more much, default it was, settings. It was much more tolerable than than most anime I've seen. And I could like if if I uh, had the time or inclination or whatever, I I could definitely see myself watching the entire series. But it wasn't. It wasn't something that I'm like, ooh, I gotta watch this. Right. Whereas Joel watched all of this and all of the new series and uh, has the movie, but hasn't had the chance to watch it yet. Wait, so you went out and bought the movie? No, 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 no. I just, I, I, it was going to try and watch the movie too, but didn't have the oh, opportunity. Okay. Yeah, getting the movie, especially like buying it, <laughs> is not easy right now. But the original series, you know, I have that. I, I pointed Josh in that direction actually. By the but way, yeah. I will say this. I enjoyed this way, way more than Attack on Titan. Hmm. So there okay. is that. I mean, that is high praise considering Attack on Titan is, for some people, uh, one of the best examples of anime in the last 10 years. Right. But I would say Attack on Titan is a bit more of a a slower build, whereas this one starts off strong and just keeps going. There's a lot of – it's very kinetic. I really, I, yeah, I really like the world building, the, the world itself, and you know the look of it and everything. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, and I, the other thing about the difference between this and Attack on Titan is that there is an overarching plot, but it's not like ground into your face every episode. Right. You jump into it once in a while, and then you've got the, you know, like you said, Josh, the heist of the week type of thing. Yeah, it's... it reminds me a lot of the structure of the 90s X-Files, where you got a bunch of things where they do the thing they do for an episode. And either the interesting thing about that capsule is the content that the characters are bouncing off of, or something about the situation informs you about part of the character's background or personality characteristics. It's almost like an anthology series where you can watch in one episode and not watch any other ones and not feel like you're missing out on the entire series. That's but, true for most episodes. I think if you start yeah. with some of the big ones, like either the last two or uh, Ballad of Fallen Angels, like without knowing who the characters are, you'd be a little lost. True. And speaking of which, what happened to the three old dudes that were in like the first three or four episodes? They just like stopped coming around. I thought that was going to be a running gag. But... They, they keep They show up. I just when I saw him in the bar in that first episode, and then they popped up again in this the one with the eco terrorists. I think maybe. Well, they also show up in the and, casino. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think they're also in the one where we you meet Ayn, but after that, they uh, kind of fade into the background. You barely see them anymore. I mean, I'm glad that it, it wasn't like an in your face sort of thing, but it, it was it was pretty heavy at first. I was like, are these guys going to be like, a, what's the deal with these guys? 
But anyway, these, that was just... these, these guys, these are not my type of guys. Yeah, what's up with these guys? And there are definitely elements of the show that have not aged particularly well in terms of like, ooh, I'm going to cringe a little bit when I watch that. But uh, I don't know. I, I think in a lot of ways, if you're looking for the gold standard for action anime, it holds up remarkably well if you understand that some of the stuff is like, okay, this is... Japan in the late 90s, it was a different time. Mm-hmm. We're not well, talking Peter Pan, it was a different time. But there's some <laughs> stuff that is dodgy in terms of their uh, portrayal of race. Uh, it's interesting that they're actually ahead of the curve with uh, representation of uh, trans characters. It's like, not Song of the South, though. Right. Yeah. But like Gren for the late 90s, even though uh, would be considered kind of a, a problematic portrayal, was almost like cutting edge in terms of like being okay with uh, how they presented a, a character who's uh, agender. And uh, they had their own take on Gren for the reboot, which we're going to talk about. I just really appreciate the the world building that happened here because it's, it's this weird kind of anachronistic conglomeration of things that shouldn't go together kind of like the entire plot or like the but they just for whatever reason just all click right into place with each other and don't seem weird or or out of place and i really appreciate that and the fact that you guys mentioned earlier like here's these really cool ships but they look like they've been you know rode hard and put away wet um and that that's just the, the entire world is like that you know um, it's not all bright and shiny and clean. It's more like Blade Runner and less like Star Trek. I like yeah. a lived-in world. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never been a fan of the Star Trek. I don't, I don't say Star Trek itself, but like the, oh, we're in the future. Everything is shiny. Everything is pretty. No, I like the Star Wars. Everything's worn down. Everything's gritty. Everything, like you said, Pat, everything looks lived in. Like people are actually using this stuff. And... You know what never made, made sense to me in Star Trek was like nobody has any kind of <clears throat> Like Otter Guard on any of their glass tablets, and nobody has cracked tablets. Yeah, there wasn't definitely not. He didn't think of uh, how much time people would spend dropping things. Right. I mean, maybe you just replicate another one. You're in a post scarcity society, so. Well, that's okay. Yeah. It's not like you have to pay for a new one, right? But no, I'd love this one. This. I'd be walking around throwing them on the ground. I don't know you think about it. (laughs) I'm the reason why we can't have these nice things, apparently. I'm one of those. Well, at least you've come to terms. <laughs> anyway, anyway no, you were saying, on. Mike. No, I was going to say this. I had not really watched anime for a while. And like my first dip into it was in high school. Like I said, when you stayed up to watch uh, USA Up All Night on cable, when, that's when they would show the anime. Anything after midnight, they would show all these crazy shows they couldn't get on during the regular daytime hours and would trade tapes with the, well, there are only a hundred people in my high school. So the other five <laughs> guys that were into it, you know, we would, you know, Hey, I got, you know, the latest, um, I recorded the, the dirty black pair. market nerd, nerd circle. Oh yeah. hundred yeah. percent. This is, and yep, that's yep. in, in the late eighties and you know, 80, 89, that's how you saw your anime. You couldn't yeah, just I had the same on. thing in my high school. Yeah. We had a little yeah. black market circle of nerdy goods. Yeah, just swapping those out. And like I said, Bubblegum Crisis, uh, The Dirty Pair, uh, Google 13, you know, those sort of things, watching all those. And this kind of hit, especially in the adventure side of things, hit right on for me because I'm looking for the action adventure. You know, I'm not really big into the whole slice of life anime. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. You know, but uh, this one just stuck with me. And like I said, it 
watch again i've watched through the entire season for the original and uh loved it the i i say ed also you know it was it then was a little bit kind of like what the heck type of thing with a reaction but then we watched that and then after we watched uh this we watched fully coolie and then and made that makes ed look normal by <laughs> oh yeah that's true <clears throat> yeah i mean you got Although, someone riding around on a moped with a pull start electric guitar there are definitely a few episodes that are controversial in terms of like whether people love them or hate them. Uh, probably the big ones are Toys in the Attic, which is the one where there's a blob uh, moving around that's poisoning everybody. And at the end, you realize it's really just bad leftovers that Spike left in the oh, fridge. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so uh, well so done, though, that episode. And I also think that's one of those where like people don't like Toys in the Attic, but like the whole idea that if Spike doesn't throw the things away that are bad for him, it's sort of like a core character trait that plays through his arc all the way to the end. Uh, I am not a huge fan of Mushroom Samba, um, but that's kind of basically because it's the got the planet of the racial stereotypes. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and, uh, the first time I saw Puro LeFou, I was just like, what the fuck was that? Uh, I have thoughts on that, but some of them tie in with the, the now. So I might hold off on that, but, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, I kept asking myself cause I know how much, you know, you were kind of building this up for me as being something that I should check out and that how much you enjoy this, Josh, I kept Uh asking myself why then if this is such a big thing and I know so many people that love it, like, uh, uh, Stephanie, um, from Gen Con, you know, is a huge fan. So there's all these people I know that are really big fans of this. I'm like, why is only one season? And then after I finished watching it today, I understood. Right. I mean, you get to the end of the real folk blues, which it's appropriate that it's a two parter that's got shares the name with the closing credits song. And like the story is done, like the movie is its own thing. And uh, the movie is going to basically if you are sad that the Netflix show got canceled and want to know what they were going to do, the villain that uh, is revealed in the closing moments of the Netflix show, which we'll get to. Uh, is the story of the movie. Uh, Ed talks about the butterfly man. The butterfly Mm -hmm. man is the uh, villain from the film. Is the film though, a something that happens in between the series? Yes. It it happens after cowboy Andy and the teddy Mm -hmm. bomber, but before brain scratch. Okay. Cause I was going to say, I, I I was hoping that after seeing the end of it today, that this wasn't a continuation of the story. Cause I, I, I felt like they perfectly encapsulated what the story they wanted to tell and it made me go okay i get why people love this um so i was a little nervous so that that makes me feel a little better about watching the movie yeah it it is it is at a very very particular point because you get to brain scratch which is also remade in the netflix show yeah with dr londis and everything and you are on a the apex of the roller coaster that pretty much goes to the end Mm -hmm. so here's the question which session is your favorite I have to look at the list now that you ask, because uh, having just watched them. I mean, the sessions are uh, basically your 1 to 5, 6 to 10, 11 to 14, 15 through 18, 19 to 22, and then 23 to 26. Okay. And that was, I don't know the how much importance the sessions are beyond being the uh, DVD releases, 
once you get past the VHS releases, which were, like I said earlier, like two episodes per really expensive videotape, which is why there was a nerd black market for these. Because they were fucking expensive. When you're yeah. dropping in 99 or 2000, you're dropping 15 bucks for a VHS cassette with two episodes. And there's 26 episodes. Yeah. Not even considering the amount of space that takes up either. Right. Probably my favorite is um, Bohemian Rhapsody with the chess pieces. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. That's good. I like that one. It's got a good heist feel to it, and it's a good come down because um, it was right after uh, the two-parter. Uh, uh, right after Jazz. Jupiter Jazz. And yeah. it was a fun, because after Jupiter Jazz, you needed, you needed an upbeat episode. And this was a fun, heisty, gimmicky type of scene that they did with this one. I really like that. <clears throat> you you well, got a favorite one, Joel? Well, I, I, I'm going to go probably, honestly, with Asteroid Blues, the first one, just because it set the tone for the show and um, for the character, at least the two main characters. Although gateway shuffle i i really enjoyed kind of the concept behind it especially with the whole tree thing and uh well the tree thing that happened in the that was in the the remake but in the yeah, original the they were monkey business virus in yes the, uh, yeah and i just i like the main villain in that story like she was very memorable um and kind of creepy and i like the way they they retold that story but i, I yeah i think i'd still stick with asteroid blues just because it set the tone and uh yeah nice well all right i mean for me it's pretty obvious i've mentioned it three times my favorite uh, is also fairly early on it's right after gateway shuffle it's ballad of fallen angels it's the first appearance of vicious and it's before vicious goes full like sephiroth angry white-haired guy drawing skulls in his notebook in seventh grade <laughs> yeah uh which yeah there's there's a little bit he's a little cringe now but that's yeah. uh especially the way it ends with spike in the church there's a reason why the fifth episode of the show is basically the final episode of the series uh, on netflix it's it's that important well and that that whole scene in the church is it's just iconic. Mm -hmm. It's very iconic. Yeah, even when remix, which we're going to get to. And yeah. I'm guessing Pat's going to get a pass on this question considering he saw two. I agree with yeah. everything that Joel said. Yeah, see? There you go. All right. There, There's a first. <laughs> I, don't get to oh. say that. I don't get to say that too often, so I wanted to use no. it. Yeah. Wow. I don't know <clears> how to feel about that. Pat saw enough that he got to uh, encounter Punch and Judy on Big Shot. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love Punch and Judy. They're hilarious. They're entertaining, that's for sure. <clears throat> All right. So uh, I guess we'll take a break right now, and then when we come back, we're going to uh, talk about Cowboy Bebop Netflix version. All right, we are back. I'm going to talk about Cowboy... <laughs> I like jam. I like cherry jam. Uh, 2021 American science fiction streaming television series, live action series based on Cowboy Bebop of the 1998 version. Set in the year 2171. Ragtag group of bounty hunters that chase down criminals across the solar system on the Bebop, the ship. Uh, across the universe. Don't do that. Oh, yeah. sorry. Please stop. <laughs> All right. So this is directed by Alex Garcia Lopez who has done such things as The Witcher and Utopia and The Punisher. 
So he did to clarify a, two, the American version of the Utopia. Yeah, and The Witcher two two episodes of The Witcher, so not like the whole thing. And then Michael Cadelman is the other director on this, and he has done stuff with Primeval, Life on Mars, and Last Ship. Last Ship always sounded cool to me. That seemed like, interesting. Yeah. I never got a chance to watch it. I mean, it's on my list of stuff I want to watch, but the whole concept sounds cool to me. Oh, shit. I was wrong. You were. Uh, Alex Garcia Lopez did three episodes of the British Utopia. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And the Bolivian uh, Punisher. <laughs> Wait, what? If you haven't seen the British Utopia, you should. Anyway. Oh, he also uh, did Misfits. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Michael Kenton, Patrick, you would dig last the last ship. It's the whole premise is there is one sh- there's been a zombie apocalypse and there is one ship that has been cut from communication that is not infected out on the ocean, and they're trying to figure out what the hell happened. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, but uh, writing credits are all over the place. Sean Cummings, uh, who wrote ten of the episodes out there, is probably one of them that I want to get into. He was. Um, do, 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 do. Nickelodeon. This. Oh wow! I almost I did that, didn't I? Before this, he did something called "Everything Sucks," the episode "Cheesecake to a Fat Man." <laughs> oh, I've actually seen that. I've lived that. <laughs> Were you the cheesecake? No, I was the fat man. Oh, I'd man. only seen that because it was posted to Reddit at some point. Oh, okay. And then uh, Carl Taro Greenfield who before this has done Ray Donovan. Oh, okay. Series. All right. what, what is that? Uh, Leif Schreiber and uh, John Voight. He's like a, like a mob hitman or fixer. something. I don't know. He's like a, fixer. a fixer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <clears throat> I like it's, Leif Schreiber. It's been going on for a while now. It's like four or five seasons or something oh, like that. Nice. I like, I like John Voight too. So uh, a bunch of other ones. There's a Christopher L. Yost. Uh, who is also one of the writers on 10 episodes, helped out with that. May know He's him also as a... credited as being the showrunner, I believe. Yeah. Uh, writer on Thor Dark World, The Mandalorian, and Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, all right. Yeah, so he's got some chops. Uh, past that, you've got a bunch of one-episode guys, such as Javier Grillo Marxosh, Alexandra Hartman, Jennifer Johnson, Vivian Lee. Vivian Lee. Wasn't she in Greece? No, that's Brenda Lee. Uh, and Liz Segal. <laughs> Vivian Lee was also the name of the woman from Gone with Wind, the actress. Yes. This Frankly, my Vivian, dear, I don't give a damn. I doubt this it's the Vivian same Lee was the uh, producer on the uh, Lost in Space on uh, Netflix. Oh, that just hit third third season. And final. Yeah, just okay. ended. All right. Uh, this is starring a one John Cho as Grandpa Spike Spiegel, Mufasa Shakir as Jet Black, Danella Pineda as Faye Valentine. Elaine Satine as Julia, Alex Hassel as Vicious, and Trong as Shin, Zwa Honde as Lin, Tamara Tune as Anna, Jeff Stoltz as Chalmers, and Mason Alexander Park as Gren. So there you go. Also, Why'd you say Grandpa Spike? Grandpa Spike Spiegel? Because yeah. he's 50 years old. Hey, he's 49. He's, he's, he's our age. All right. He's, two, he's three, four months older than me. Okay. Considering the fact that he's supposed to be playing a 24-year-old guy. Is that how old Spike is? That's how old Spike is. Yep. Let's get to the, let's get to the trivia. Oh, okay. Uh, in addition to referencing the anime, the showrunner and writers went beyond the source material and looked at movies that inspired the original anime director, Shinichiro Watanabe. Movies include The Big Sleep, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, 
big big influence there. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde, Space Odyssey, Dirty Harry, and as well as Lethal Weapon and the Crow. Okay. Uh, in Cowboy Bebop 1998, Spike Spiegel, Faye Valentine, and Jet Black are 27, 23, and 33 years old. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so he was 27, not 23. I got those mixed Still, up. Still. Yeah. Still, that's a 20-year difference. So... Uh, they're played by John Cho, Danella Panetta, and Mustafa Shakir, who at the time of filming were 49, 33, and 45 years old. I gotta say, John Cho does not look uh, young, uh, does not look older than Mustafa Shakir. No, not he looks good. Not at all. But, well, let's finish this last trivia. The prequel, novel, comic book series, and art book based on the live action adaptation are set to release in 2021, 2022, just in time for it to be canceled. And the serial number for Faye's Identikit is NCC-1701B, as the third Federation ship to bear the name Enterprise. In the original, the cryo-tube that Faye was in was NCC-1701A, I think. So Nice little nod. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I wanted to like this. The combat scenes, the fight scenes from the original were my favorite thing. And... That turned into uh, watching Liam Neeson jump over a fence in 21 cuts. I think I even commented that the combat in this seems so much slower than the original. Okay. Well, sometimes I it's mean, hard to choreograph anime into right. live action. Especially considering the original character is not quite mocap, but basically, unless you're going to resurrect uh, Bruce Lee from the dead, you're not getting Spike Spiegel at full speed. Although John Cho and his two stunt people uh worked hard to to recreate the anime um kind of choreography styles and whatnot to kind of match match up as close as you can get anyway uh in live action whatever um non-bruce lee trained professionals but uh, i enjoyed the hell out of this even though it it is not perfect it has it has some troubles not putting it lightly well, uh-huh. I feel like if they would have gotten a second season, that, that some of those things would have ironed out and it would have gotten stronger. And I did, by the way, just to men- go back to something you guys had mentioned there in the beginning uh, and from the last half, there's a sequence in, uh, I don't know which episode it is, but where John Cho has two guns and he's sliding down a staircase-like thing and and then he's fighting the bad guys and it's straight out of Hard Boiled, the John Woo movie. And I was uh-huh. like, that's a nice little uh, nice little reference there. Cool. So anyway, sorry, Josh, go ahead. No, I, I agree with you that if this had been given a second season to sort of find its voice and dial back some of the things that didn't work and uh, amp up the things that did, like uh, I'd say the things that worked for me was the main cast uh, the chemistry between them, the timing, uh, in terms of both like their com, uh, their, uh, individual quieter scenes and their comic timing bouncing off of each other. Um, the homage to the, uh, big parts of the uh, original series without it just feeling like a bunch of check boxes. There were some things that were less successful. Uh, they greatly expanded vicious and, uh, Julia, and how you take a story about an abusive heir to a huge mafia empire killing his way to the top of the syndicate and make it fucking boring. I don't know how you pull that off, but they managed well, it. They did it. And Vicious v- vicious seemed more like, in villain-wise, 
like the bad guy from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, like a spoiled rich kid to me, than an actual like threat in the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of the they told us he was a badass and occasionally showed us. But then every time they developed his character, they showed why he oh, why he was second fiddle and uh, second place. And it wasn't even close to Spike. Yeah, I, I felt like they would have it would have served them better to stick with the formula that they had in the original were more of the monster heist of the week with a thin thread running through with an undercurrent of other, you know, the other storyline instead of, you know, here's the first half is all about the monster of the week. And the second half is the main storyline that we're trying to push for the entire season. Um, and something I, I mentioned earlier in the first half that I wanted to come back to real quick, Mustafa Shakir apparently must be a big fan of the dub because he sounds fucking just like Jet Black in the dub. Just he really like does. Yeah. He, he was probably my favorite character out of everybody on the ship. I mean, he he felt the most true to form. Uh, I could do without the jingle all the way episode where he's got to get the doll for his daughter. <laughs> I, I actually That's... really liked that. Oh, God. And I, I don't it... like jingle all the way, but I liked that episode. Nobody likes jingle all the way. Um... Hey, hey, now. You're an all star. <laughs> I don't really like it. I just wanted to argue. Yeah, it's Arnold. So, you know, you yeah, I mean, it, so... it gets a little bit of a pass because it's Arnold. Well, what about what about you, Pat? The three anime guys have been talking. What about? It felt it, it felt to me like um like a it, it felt like it was trying to be Firefly. The vibe I got from it. I could see that. I don't know. I mean, I I like John Cho. Um, it was nice to see him leading something, and I don't know. I mean, it, it was it was okay. I, I wasn't enraptured by it by any stretch. Well, I I have two thoughts. One to go back to something you guys mentioned. Uh. The fact that you've got this kind of beautiful setup, beautiful set pieces, well done for the most part, effects, everything, all the pieces are there. But I found like they needed to get somebody else as their action director, choreographer, because they did feel a little stunted, um, st you know, stilted, maybe that's a better word. Uh, how about spastic? Well, I mean, if you watch I anymore for me, like the benchmark used to be like the Matrix, but now like the John Wick movies are kind of my benchmark for how an action scene should go. Um, and I, I, I didn't get that here. It felt like, yeah, like it's kind of choppy, kind of broken up, like somebody wasn't quite on the ball. And I'm kind of glad. I, I mean, I'm sad that it's ending because I feel like a second season, it, it could have gone somewhere and it may still get picked up by somebody the but fight, he... the, the fight scenes had a very like um i don't want to i don't want to insult it because it wasn't like bad it just they had a very high quality theater choreography feel to them it right. didn't feel like it didn't it feel like, like movie fighting. fighting yeah it felt like stage okay. fighting Not, yeah. that's fair um uh, we did leave one pretty big name off the cast because he was almost entirely wasted oh john um john noble, noble. yeah yeah when you have someone who is like Dr. Walter Bishop and Denethor from Lord of the Rings, like he's yeah. easily, aside from John Cho, the best known actor on the show. And for most of the series, you make him wear a giant mask, which looks cool as shit. Right. But like, which did, is part of the reason why I forgot him, because I, I, when the second I heard his voice, I paused it, rewound, I grabbed Suzanne. I'm like, get in here. Who do you hear? And she's like, it's Walter. Yep. You know, he's always going to be Walter. Yeah, he's always going to be Walter to me. But yeah, again, completely wasted. I agree with you, Josh. Yeah, he's only in two scenes, and his scene in the final episode is really good. 
but I mean, he's John Noble. What do you expect? <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Um, like, yeah, he sets up the collision course for the entire rest of the season where he tells vicious, his son that he's fucking worthless and pretty much owes any of his success to other people, whether it's him as his father or, uh, fearless at that point as his best friend and taking the credit for stuff other people do. And by the way, shoot your wife in the face. No, <laughs> I don't want to, um, unless it's in love. Uh, that's a different thing altogether. I I do have to say I was I was getting to the point before we got sidetracked there. Um, one thing I am glad that they ended this and there won't be a second season. I'm sorry, Eden Perkins. I know this is your first role, but her portrayal as Ed, I kind of wanted to crawl all my eyes out. Yeah, it was screen accurate, which unfortunately I'm not sure works. Well, I mean that's the same reason that Hawkeye doesn't wear wear the same outfit that he does in the Marvel comics. The, you, you know, you don't have Disney Plus, do you? No, does he have a little facey thing? Anyway, but no, that is super cringe. I mean, it was it, it was like a hey, end of the end of the show, end of the season. Everybody have a seizure. You know, I I know Ed is trippy and wacky and that sort of thing, but the way they played him out in the original was not nearly as. Who was talking about chewing on tinfoil earlier? I was. You were. Yeah. It's I, mean, not, I mean, yeah. I disagree that it was different from the original portrayal, but the original portrayal was in the context of animation. Uh, and I think the problem is, is it was a little too on the nose, like a more subdued take, uh, kind of the way they rewrote Faye, because Faye is not a workable character in live action if you make her uh, anime accurate. The problem is, is Ed was anime accurate, in a world where they decided to already take concessions for adapting it to a different medium. And that's the thing is that they, they toned it back. I mean, I, honestly, I'm not real happy with what they did with Faye. I think they kind of did not, they did her a disservice. You know, they took a character who was trying to discover who she was, what her origins were, where she came from, that sort of thing. And like kind of turned her into an Instagram in- influencer. I mean, it really, I really did not like what they did with Faye. I don't think that's fair at all. Faye had 22 episodes to get past being intensely irritating in the anime. They didn't have that many for the series. And you present her in the same way she is in the anime. She is easily the most hated character in the 10 episodes. 100%. uh, Like, you look at her without the opportunity to grow over uh, the entire series. Uh, and, And you give her only her nine best episodes of character growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that she is a complete wreck of a human being and no one likes her by the end of this end of the show. No one believes that she's even friends with these people. Yeah. And I dug that. I, I mean, in the original, I dug the fact that Faye, you never knew she was kind of like, um, Jane, like to go back to, uh, Firefly. She was kind of like the Jane character. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you as until somebody pays more. I mean, that's true for the first 10 episodes of the uh, anime. But by the end, she grows out of that. They had to kind of fast forward that character development in order to tell a complete story in one season. Mm. And to not have her basically be like, okay, well, we got uh, Jet is cool and Spike is cool, but fuck this girl that they're carrying around for literally no reason. Because Um, anyone else would have airlocked her. (laughs) 
can I uh, touch on the music here briefly? I know I wasn't aware that uh, uh, it was the same people uh, doing the music for this because I felt like as important as the music was to the original series and the cues, how well they worked here. I felt like, like every like 30% of the episode, it was on point and it made sense and it felt like the original, but the rest of it, it, it didn't quite it was missing a beat something. Yeah. wasn't, wasn't quite, didn't quite jazz it up. Uh, it, it was still there and it was still, you know, mm-hmm. decent, but it just didn't quite, so they didn't quite understand how to make it work with the scenes that were going on for whatever reason. I don't know whose fault that is, but. Well, okay. and I think that maybe in just the way they did it, because in the original, we said that they created the music was one of the first things that rolled out of the gates in this. I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. In this, I'm laying a hundred percent bet that they had everything plotted out, framework done, you know, everything laid together and then wrote the music for it, and then had them write the music for it or grab the music for it. And I think that's, I think that changed the premise of the whole thing. I think you're probably right. And I also think it suffers from comparison to other streaming television shows that absolutely nailed the music. Like the music in this was good, but we're only a year past the Umbrella Academy where the music was fucking perfect. Yeah, but they also had the guy from My Chemical Romance heading that up too. I mean, sure. I mean, Gerard Way is Gerard Way, but Gerard Way is not Yoko Kano. True. And that, and that's my point is like when you are in a world where we hadn't already seen it done better on Netflix very recently, I feel maybe we don't notice the music being as, I don't even want to say bad because it's not bad. It's just not perfect where in both the original anime and in other Netflix adaptations recently, the music is perfect. Well, and that's, that's part of the thing I think with music is that if the music is really good, you don't notice it while the scenes are going on. Like going back to Umbrella Academy, you got the music playing, but now every time I hear uh, Tiffany's, I think we're alone now, that whole scene pops back into my head. You know, it, I think during the time you're watching it, it's a totally cool situation. It fits, everything sinks, everything jives, and that sticks in the back of your head. I think in this one, they were just kind of like, Maybe I don't know, Joel, what's your thought? Maybe they're just kind of like, hey, here's a cool fight scene. We got to have some jazzy music in. Whether it fit or not, they were playing to the perceived trope of Cowboy Bebop having this jazzy, uh, the, the tunes in there like that way. But they're, they're in, like inserting it in there before they actually understood why it fit where it did in the original. I think that's fair. I, I think it's uh, like uh, some of your criticisms I don't think are fair, but this one I think you're spot on with that where it's not <laughs> that the jazz is bad. It's that it's, it's put there because it's expected. Like you're going to have good jazz in this scene. So let's do a scene with a jazz band. Mm-hmm. It just felt a little bit more like an afterthought instead of the groundwork. Right. And I think that's where that's where the changes because they use the music as a groundwork. Hey, here's this scene that we're going to write with Jet fighting uh, this guy on the bridge for um, for Ayn the Corgi. Here's the music for it. Make the scene. That's why the fight scenes in the original matched up. I don't say even matched up, but why the uh, beat of the music works so well with the fight is because they use the music as the base instead of here's the fight scene now try and figure out the music for it whereas you got people throwing punches people don't throw punches in rhythm you know if you're having a fight i think that's why it changed uh, abdul hakim obviously never oh. break dance foot uh, since you bring him up abdul hakim looked fucking perfect 
uh, in the uh, in this interpretation, and oh, I yeah. do like that they neatly sidestepped the uh, problematic uh, white guy decides to disguise himself as a black exploitation character with an afro, making the white dude the disguise, and it's malfunctioning, and the guy with the afro is actually his true form. I thought that was a neat twist. So, Patrick, thoughts? Wow. It was pretty. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> I had all the intention of watching plenty of shows for this, and I just uh, just didn't. Did so, you get through two? Yeah, I got through uh, three of the first, and or almost three of the first, and two of the uh, second. I, I want to give you shit for having had, <laughs> like, 12 weeks to do it, but I knew it was going to happen, so I won't. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give him shit. Yeah, I was. I'm disappointed in myself. I really wanted to watch all of these because, like, it was. I wanted to have a real opinion and all that kind of stuff, but um, I just, I didn't. <laughs> I just, I just recall us all before we took our took our break. Hey, we got 12 weeks to finish up all this stuff, but we won't. <laughs> and we were trying to make it a joke, and it turned out to be reality. Well, yeah, we knew it was going to be reality, and reality is not funny. No, I, I, I hate reality. Oh, I've reality. never been real. Reality bites. Uh-huh. Ah. Oh. An idea for a movie. Call Ben Stiller. Call Jerry Stiller. Oh wait, no, we can't. Oh, hey. Let's uh before we get too in the weeds here, I want to talk about some of the other changes. Okay. Uh Jet having a kid. Different I don't like it. I don't care one way or another. Like it sets up the final episode pretty well. I just Jet's character as being an ex special ops, you know, black, you know, cop. murder not special ops. Well, a murder cop. cop guy, I I just don't. It, it added another level that I don't think was needed. Well, I think they needed to have the three main characters have some sort of a uh, underlying backstory that was going to, you know, be their undercurrent throughout the the season uh-huh. and some sort of stakes, something they could lose. Faye had her identity. Uh, the whole show's literally about Spike, and without the kid, Jet owns the ship. Right. Well, no, I mean, what that was, but that was Jet's thing in the original. Jet was always the one like, we don't have enough money to eat. <laughs> you know, we have to choose between fuel and food. That was his stake was make, keeping the bebop afl- uh, afloat. Which incidentally, and, there's a lot more eating in this than in the original. Like in the original, they're always going out to get bounties and never get them for X Y Z reason. So I, I don't know how they ever made any money. But here they seem to eat more and seem to be a little better off. <laughs> And I think some of that, again, comes down to 10 episodes versus 20, what we say, Six. 24, 26? 26, yeah. yep. So you've but, got almost three times the number of episodes. To but like, the episodes are twice as long. True. Uh, so you've got the equivalent of 20 episodes versus 26. So you still have more time, though. Yeah. Yeah. And you have more discrete storylines is mm. the main point. So I don't know. I, I I think it's I'm neutral on the subject. I think it's fine because with ten episodes they didn't want Jet to be okay. We've got Faye's got her thing. Spike's literally the show, and then there's Jet, who's also there, <clears throat> who's like the dad, just trying to keep people from killing each other. Just kind of keep you know, just got to make some money. I think that's that's what his thing is. It's just. Keeping Faye and Je- and um, Spike from killing each other. Let's get the next bounty. He was kind of like the guide to the whole thing. He was like the Obi Wan, for um, lack of a better term. Gren, uh, I fucking love this take on Gren. 
Gren in the original, I mean, it's true to the essence of Gren from the show where Gren is neither male nor female, kind of both at the same, but informed from a very obviously written by straight Japanese guys in 1999 (laughs) spot. And they kind of let Mason Alexander Park uh, go a little bit with Gren being just Gren. A little bit of male, a little bit of female. And I honestly think the character really worked in Anna's bar. I would agree with that. Mm. See, but the thing is, is refresh my memory. Did they ever go into the fact like Gren was what he was because he was experimented on? Right. Which is actually super problematic. Like the only reason trans people exist is because someone did something bad to them. Well, I mean, that's not, I mean, it's one character in a show. I mean, the, the guy openly said in the original was like, they, I volunteered for them to mess with me. And this is what happened. This is what I came. I get of it. that it's one character in this show, but it's a trope because it's repeated that trans people's existence only comes out because of trauma and uh, pain. And I, I think that we've seen enough of that in entertainment and uh, going the other direction. We talk about like people who have this difficult life, never seeing themselves in media. Well, at least for one season, someone who has had to make that choice for themselves gets to see themselves. And I think Gren was legitimately uh, a really interesting character. Plus Gren looked pretty badass with two guns. Uh huh. And it was wild, like being able to pull off being a badass with like full makeup, uh, a little bit of butch and a ballroom gown is a little wild. Yeah, I dug Gren because uh, I I think you could go too far in the other way. It's like, okay, let's correct all these wrongs and make Gren another walking stereotype could have happened. And I don't feel it did. I agree with that. Um, I, I can't mention Punch and Judy because there were no changes. Punch and Judy yeah. were Punch and Judy. Yeah. Um, Punch and, they, they were st- actually was, they kept the music. They kept the whole shtick. They were still fun. Uh, Although you did I, get the the fun scene at the airport at the, uh, in the last or second to last episode where he's going to pick up his mom or something at the airport or uh, they're going somewhere and he talks about how judy is married one of the producers and he doesn't have the accent anymore and uh Faye can barely recognize him oh crap i must have like been half paying attention when that happened yeah i missed that hmm. yep he shows up one more time before the end of the series just real briefly after the show got canceled huh uh we've touched on the things that didn't work about the vicious storyline uh i thought mal was actually more interesting it wasn't just a okay let's make mal a woman because uh mal was actually not even really a character in the anime and mal was Mm -hmm. actually a character uh that was a good improvement on there yeah same thing with santiago um different uh piero was different (sighs) What to say about Puro? I know uh, Joel's been slow rolling this, so I'm going to throw to him at this point. About Puro? Yeah, you said you had more to say about Puro once we got here. Well, sir, we're here. Well, I don't I don't remember saying that, but I did. I mean, I probably did, but um, I, I thought that was an interesting character. And um, I really liked the characterization in the live action version, although they didn't explain the fact that he was basically a 
uh, a man who was regressing backwards. So as he was becoming more violent and harder to get rid of, he was becoming more and more like a child. And you get that explanation. And so when you get the payoff in the ep- in the anime episode, it's a payoff. But in here, he gets stabbed in the leg. He's like, "Mom, you know, you hurt me, Mom. You know, this this hurts, whatever." Right. Uh, and you don't you don't know why he's acting like that. You kind of figure it out through actions, but it's not explained. So when the payoff happens, it's like, yeah, okay. But I thought they handled it pretty well. It was one of the more like twisted stories from the original, as far as tone is concerned. I agree. Like I felt distinctly uncomfortable when he was uh, crying like a kid who'd skinned his knee as he was basically dying. Right. Uh, I, I felt distinctly uncomfortable. And here it's just like, well, he said it here because he said it in the anime. And uh, I, I wasn't sure it was as successful. Well, when you're first introduced to him in the when he's in the lab, when they're breaking him out, you don't get the sense that he's a kid. He's he's just a, this really fucking pissed off, amped up, almost like like he's on red eye at that point, even though he's he's not. But he's been using red eye. It just it's not the same character. Uh, but they still yeah, they still have that line in there because he said it in the original. Yeah. Uh, so that that was one I, I thought was kind of a, uh, a less successful adaptation. It looked cool. Like the makeup yeah. he had on and stuff looked good. It was interesting, but yeah, it was, it was not, it didn't work as well. Um, I mean, Chalmers was a change, but I, 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 for me, that was a net nothing. It was fine. It was there. They they wanted to do a cop show thing, and they wanted to have Chalmers pop up here and there. Like, we've seen this before. We saw this sort of relationship in Ant-Man, where you've got the kid who moves in with your ex-wife and is trying to be a dad to your child, and you don't quite know how to interact with this person. And by the end of the storyline, you work it out with them. Or in this case, your kid likes them more than you and calls them dad. Yeah, that was mm. that was rough. But that's kind of... What happens when you're not at home, and I'm guessing he doesn't get as many opportunities to be with his kid as he'd like, but it's kind of his fault. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that I would have loved seeing more of Ed next season, but uh, I, I do regret be not being able to see where they could have gone with <clears throat> Faye figuring out who she really is. Uh, more of Jet and Spike, more of Gren, because uh, they were obviously setting up to eventually do Gren's plot line. And I'm guessing more of Faye's mom at some point, because she, she was kind of an interesting character to see. Yeah, I, I mean, I, there were definitely moments in this where I considered it brilliant and moments that were a total fucking mess. This was a mixed bag that I feel like if they'd been given another season, I, I could have really had a strong opinion one way or another on it. As it is, I, I kind of liked it and may watch it again. I just don't understand the motivation behind canceling something after one season. Why greenlight it in the first place? Like, you don't give it a chance to develop. You don't give it a chance to become anything. Like, there are so many shows that almost got canceled in their first season that we never would have gotten if somebody hadn't taken a chance on them. Like, you know, the biggest example is Seinfeld. It almost got canceled in its first season. Yeah. Netflix is doing this a lot. Yeah, it it sucks. But, I mean, they're dumping way too much money in all across the board instead of just putting good money after good money. They're just chasing bad money everywhere. Well, because it's they're making more money after chasing bad money for one season thirty times than they are for, you know, putting money into good stuff three times. 
And I think that's the thing is like Netflix originally was trying to be HBO, but I I think at this point they're just like, well, if any individual series is not going to give us a appreciable bump in subscriber numbers, we've just got to throw a bunch of things that'll keep people hooked for one season on to get one more year out of them where you see the opposite strategy happening over at Amazon, where they're just like, well, we got more money than God. Fuck it. Uh, Wheel of Time has infinite money, and uh, the second season has started before the first season has aired. Uh, they did that yeah, a lot. Netflix, like, yeah, Netflix is going to lose this battle overall because you know people no, don't want to sign up for a, you know, a one-season unresolved plot. And here, here's the question is, why haven't we pitched a show to Netflix? Because we don't want it to end after one season. We're, we're shooting I don't for care. Prime. I, for the money that I might make off a one-season show on Netflix, I don't care if we get a second season. how much money season. you could make off of being governor of Illinois. Oh. I do not want to be governor of Illinois. I, I had a cartoon 25 years ago of a stick figure sitting in a beanbag saying, I should write a screenplay. And it was uh, ironically appropriate then, and has not changed in the last twenty-five years. We have four guys. We here, four. We we've talked about this. Four guys moving across country. Open. Remember, remember the whole thing. You open up the truck. Every hey, be careful. Everything I own is in that. And there's one lamp suspended by thirteen bungee cords. Yep. So anybody's taco. Netflix. Call us. Can, Shit, can I'm I, gonna start. Can I bring you back this? to reality for a second? I didn't even watch these shows in twelve weeks. I don't care. It got there. They still got paid. Whether anybody watched them or not, they still got paid. That's what you're missing. No, what you're what you're missing is what Josh and I are saying is we're lazy. Man, we're, we're if anybody's... At, it's easier to talk about it than to actually fucking yeah. do it. I mean, we are 100% behind it. If it happens, we'll go along with it and we'll oh, do goodness, it. But... I'm writing a script. Man, if anybody's taco had bebop money... It'd be anybody's be a... bebop. Anybody's fucking taco, man. 4K. It's taco fucking. Oh, wait. That's wait, that's, what? that's Pornhub money. Well, it's HBO. We pitch it to HBO. Got four guys who run a podcast that are really into tacos. The podcast is what we put our creative uh, selves into instead of the screenplay or whatever else. This is this is the thing where we said, okay, we're going to do something, and we're doing it. We've been doing it, almost 400 episodes. And some of us only watched two episodes in 14 weeks for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, what an asshole. Who did that? Man. Man. <laughs> hey, that guy. Joel, I'd like to thank you for the bump set there. <laughs> Yo, welcome. Oh, shit. All right. So are we to thumbs right. up, thumbs down? Yeah, I we're going to so. do thumbs up, thumbs down. All right. Patrick. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Consistently surprised he's being thrown to first. Anything. Patrick. Um, I'm not going to give him thumbs down. I didn't watch enough to say that. So thumbs up to both. <laughs> Fair. Wow. That's lazy thumbing. <laughs> What's default? Uh, let me just hit enter over and over again. <laughs> you're, control V. Control v. Over it. I could have just shit all over it for no reason, but no, I don't, you know. Got that little bird on a, and the, the, the tips its head in the water. That's I did trick. that once. I did that once with something I didn't actually watch for the show. I had an opinion where I tore it apart. <laughs> Which, on that note, we have to redo the Peter Pan show. But <laughs> I watched that shit. All right, Mike, <laughs> your, your opinion. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. 
I just did not feel the same love for the remake, for the reboot or whatever the hell they called it for this one. And I think they could have done a lot better casting than Cho for Spike. Like maybe somebody who was actually in their 20s. There's a lot of actors in that range. I'm I don't want to see. Oh. I'm sorry. I was just saying, I don't want to see me attempting to do Kung Fu. No one wants to see that. Right? Do, do you think you're John Cho? I could be. You never know. No, was it, no you, was could was you could was not be. You could not be. And you saw me, huh? <laughs> He's like Randall Park as Jim. I, I saw you six weeks ago. What are you trying to pull on me? <laughs> Randall Park <laughs> as Mike. Six weeks ago. <gasps> Crap, the wedding. Oh, yeah. Shit. So, <laughs> yeah, equally, unsur- equally unsurprising, I'm going to go thumbs up, thumbs up. But uh, it is willing. I am willing to say that I'm less enthusiastic about the thumbs up for now, as it is a bit of a mixed bag that I wish had gotten a chance to be good. And it was it only managed pretty okay with moments of with moments of good. And there was some uh, cringe too in, the, in sure. just the episode I saw. But the tech was good. The, the effects were good and everything. I like the look. I'm gonna definitely a thumbs up for the original series. Um, and for the the current series, I'm a thumbs up as well. I feel like the three main characters uh, were. I thought it worked. Uh, I just wish that they would have spent some more time and energy on the action choreography and sold that because uh, I think that would have would have vastly helped the overall story. Oh, you know what bugged me the most was his beard looked really, really fake. Yeah, that's I one mean, where... I could practically see the spirit gum. I mean, it looked anime accurate, but that's another one where they maybe should have cut it down a little bit. Yeah. And Woody... Like Spike's probably had to They probably had to think a little bit before writing Woody's lines. The black male, because you are black and male. Okay, I'm just going to be over here now. Yeah, that one got panned pretty hard on Reddit. Yeah. Maybe harder than it deserved, but it was a pretty cringe line. But I could definitely see somebody saying that line. That doesn't mean it should be written in a in like a you know a professional way. But I could see somebody saying that line. And like she was not presented as being the super professional person who you're supposed to look up to, but still. <laughs> I mean, it's it's that it's that whole thing like from the Squid Game. You know how when I said you know I didn't like the dialogue that the the billionaires had, you know the, the top guys, whatever at the end. But I was like, but the, on the other hand, I have heard guys just this wealthy talk like that. So, but that doesn't mean it makes it good writing. I mean, it makes it accurate writing. It doesn't make it good writing. Yeah. How the hell are you this chatty after we've decided to stop talking about something? <laughs> I was like, we didn't throw to him. in the sun. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I don't know anything about this topic, so I'll be quiet, you know. <laughs> but now I got started. I don't know. Yeah, you riled him up. Seriously. All right. So if you have your thoughts on how successful this adaptation was, maybe tell us your favorite memories of the original or uh, what you would have liked to see out of a second season if you thought it deserved one. Uh, give us your thoughts. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep, and if you're looking for older stuff, we are all over the web. We are on pon, uh, pon bean. We're on Podbean. Uh, we're on Pandora. We're on Amazon. We are all over the freaking place. If you do not have us on your favorite podcast app, you can grab our RSS and just pass it over to them, and they'll bring it up. Uh, if you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear about it, so leave us a review on Apple, Google, or Amazon Podcasts, or whatever you 
place you leave reviews. Uh, and you can also give us some support off the Kofi link that's on the show notes. And don't forget, join us on our Discord, too. We'd love to have more people chatting. We need more recipes. We need more drink recipes. We need more ideas for shows. Pectin. Need, need more pectin. We need friends. Joel. Yeah. What's coming up? Uh, next uh, few episodes here, we're going to be talking about uh, the new Steven Spielberg West Side Story versus the original. Uh, show 400 is coming up with our questions directly from all of you people out there. And we're taking a what trip back to you the people. Matrix. You know, all the listener peoples. What do you yes, mean? Remember, yeah, we have like, all, our, all our peeps. We have got a hundred questions. I'm letting you guys know we are not going to do a hundred questions in the time that we do this show. But we have a plan. We have a plan. Yeah. If you ask so. one question, your question will probably be answered. If you ask 37 questions, one of your questions will probably be answered. <laughs> some yeah. of your questions, maybe. Yeah, we may get to some of them. So we will be back soon. Thank you very much for listening. And everybody have a great day.